For all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome back to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, episode 17. We back, man, each and every Tuesday, right back down here at 10 o'clock. Spotify, YouTube, Banker, uh, Google Podcasts. We're doing it big, man. We're doing it big. Uh, if you haven't checked it out already, check out our Sports Talk Radio live show on twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Defense Sports. We go live each and every Saturday at 9 p.m. The replay is coming up on YouTube on uh, Mondays at 11 a.m., so check that out. As well as our weekly recaps and our weekly picks, uh, Friday, uh, 11 a.m. and Sunday, 11 a.m. respectively. So uh, check us all out. Subscribe, like, comment. You know, give us your feedback. See how you think. You know, let us know what you think about our content, man. We we doing it big out here, man. We got a lot of things to talk about this week. Uh, <laughs> the, the NBA and the NFL never fails to give us give us news. I tell you that. You know, I, just when I thought it might be a little bit of a slow slow news week. They always give me one. <laughs> they always give me one, man. We got a lot to talk about. Of course, the NBA, man, the camp is broken. Uh, everybody's in uh, camp uh, right now, training for the preseason and getting ready for December 22nd uh, kickoff for the new NBA season. Uh, the Clippers got some dysfunction in their locker room. We're going to talk about that. Uh, it's official that uh, John Wall and, and Russell Westbrook have been traded for each other. And in a related story, uh, James Harden decided that he didn't want to report to camp this week. Not yet, anyway. So uh, as of this podcast little going live, he's not in camp. But I wonder if that's indicative of him wanting to be traded. Uh, we'll also talk about the schedule and uh, the pandemic rules and how they're going to uh, manage this uh, crisis that is this pandemic we've been in for the past uh, 8, 9, 10, maybe 11 months. 10 months, I would say, for sure. Definitely 10 months, for sure. And uh, they got some uh, interesting load management rules as, as well. So, uh, And we'll do we'll wrap up the NBA news with our, our top uh, four each conference and NFL news uh wild water sports this is the witching hour week 13 I think week 13 they say 13 sometimes is an unlucky number right unlucky number so uh that was indicative of how these games went this week games you thought it were going to be clear-cut blowouts were tight games that you thought were going to go one way to win the whole opposite polar opposite way so yeah we're going to talk about all of that we're going to talk about the dysfunction that is the NFC I want to know does anybody want to win and, and, and be uh, playing well going into the playoffs? Because it doesn't seem like it. Uh, we'll talk about some quarterback controversies for the Eagles and the Dolphins. Um, we'll talk about the Titans and the Seahawks inconsistency. The Steelers game. We'll talk about that as well. And uh, we'll follow that up at the end of the news. We're talking about uh, teams to quote-unquote watch out for. And it'll be another shocker. Slight shocker. Slight shocker. Uh, we'll do Chargers Corner. Uh, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, we, You already know what it is. I mean, 45 to nothing. We'll we'll talk about it briefly. We'll get in the Lakers locker room and and uh, and deep dive into what we've done in regards to the off season and how training camp's going, how the new guys are measuring, and uh, how these new rules will play into our day to day lives. And we'll finish up with finish up with four quarter closeout. We'll get into our awards for breakout play of the week, lockdown and finish week, and big dummy of the week. So stay tuned for that. But first and foremost, let's get into who's the news, man. Let's get. It. So let's talk who's in the news. There's a lot of things to get through in the, in the news department today, boy. I tell you, you know, like I said, the NBA and NFL never, never ceases to amaze me and always give me one, you know. <laughs> it's like Sister Odell in Kings of Comedy. She always give me one. So NBA always give me something good and juicy to talk about. I tell you that much. Um, so let's start. Let's start with NBA, man. Let's start with NBA. I, uh, <laughs> you know, and you know, it, I guess you can you know say that you know as a Lakers fan, you know some people might think I'm trolling when I talk about these these Clippers, right? But you know the the idea that they have um, dissension in their locker room is an understatement in my opinion. <laughs> you know, 
the the athletic and I and I wonder too. I, I've always wondered this, you know, and it's something that you know people don't really talk about like that. But who breaks these stories and who gives all these this information? Like, you know, in certain cases, you would think that you know this stuff should be off limits. It shouldn't be a, uh, anything that should be told. It should stay in house. Like, you know, back in the day, Mama tell you we'll stay. We're, we're going in this house. Stay in this house. You know, and it's, it, it applied, at least in my time, my time playing, it applied for, you know, sports as well. You know, our locker room and our team, everything stays in the house. You know, you don't let, uh, we don't put our business in the street. So when it comes to people telling these stories about the dysfunction in the locker room and the dissension in the locker room, you know, who tells these stories, number one? You know, because that means that Attic had a lengthy report on what happened in this locker room over the past of last season, you know, over the course of the last year. And I mean, we're talking about gritty details, you know, there's not no conjecture or not no hearsay. This is gritty, you know, details that you can likely back up with facts, you know, because I mean, just boiled down to where Kawhi Leonard lived in the time frame he li- he played for L.A. this season, you know, versus living close to the facility. You know, he lived in, you know, what, San Diego, you know, and then he had to commute and was often late for planes and practices and things of that nature, you know, so. You know, you take preferential treatment to a whole other level with this. Him and Paul George, you know, and to underdeliver the way they did in the playoffs makes it even worse, in my opinion. You know, you just you just set a bad precedence, you know, and you're setting a bad leadership model. And and I have question about whether or not you can come back from this. Can you come back from this particular uh, debacle? You know, that is the, you know, <laughs> you know the locker room, you know dissension you know because there's still people there that had to experience this you know they're still playing there i mean yes mantra hair left and they just traded with a couple of other pieces that quote unquote were the part of the original regime the doc rivers created right but you still pat bell still there you know uh lou williams still there although they actively shopping him on the market i don't know if they're gonna be able to move him or not but that's that's the issue too if you know about being actively shop what's your mindset are you all, you're not all in because you feel like, you know, any point in time, any given day that you could pick up and be like, well, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, I'm going to play with another team. So that that's an issue. You know, I just really think that, you know, um, they might have squandered this opportunity. I mean, you're looking at it from we they went all in on, you know, kind of like the, what the Bucks did of going all in on once one or two seasons, you know, because, you know, Kawhi and Paul George both can opt out. You know, Paul talking his noise about he wanted to retire as a Clipper, but whoever said that in their life but regardless he's talking about he want to retire as a clipper and i'm like okay whatever but you have an option year so if this year don't go to according to plan what are you going to do then what are you going to do let's be real quiet get up and walk out in any minute given time when he's allowed or he, he'll either force a trade or he will you know when his time is up and his contract is up he'll get up and walk off and i'm like i'm out i'm not coming back so if they leave you're back to square one you know with less talent you know, because you let your young bulls walk out the door and, you know, then you got nothing. Then you're back in, really back in the basement of the division and the stable center, you know, because, I mean, you know, yeah, eventually I'm going to play in a different building. But regardless, until such time, you know, you looking at it like, you know, it's rebuild time, you know, and you don't have no draft capital because you showed, you sold all that away to get Paul George. So you went all in and you got dysfunction. So what's going to happen this season? I really think they're in trouble. You know, unless they can turn all this noise off, which is hard to do. 
you know, especially if this pre preferential treatment is going to continue. You know, I don't think Kawhi changes residence. If he is he still calling practices, you know, when are they still determined when they want to practice, when they don't want to practice, when they want to load manage, when they don't? You know, the league even created a rule for him, quote unquote, in this in this uh, COVID protocol that we're going to talk about later on. That you know you can't load manage in certain regards. You know, it's it's an issue. You know, I mean, you it's loopholes and things around it, in my opinion, but. You know, you typically you're supposed to be on the floor, especially in national televised games. And let's be real, the Clippers have more hours on them now than they did in previous years because of who was on the team and what and what people expect out of them. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, it looks bad. You know, I mean, the optics look bad. You know, like I said, they're still tough defensively. I'll give them credit for that. You know, Kawhi and Paul going to be who they are. I mean, Kawhi's going to pretty much, you know, be, you know, a good two-way player. And Paul is... Assuming he has his missile together, he can he can produce as well. So we'll see what happens with the Clippers, man. I just don't uh, I don't like the the optics of it. It looks bad, and I think that they might be in for a rude awakening come this season. We'll just have to wait and see. So, in related news for the West, uh, that trade has been become official. You got a uh, West Russell Westbrook has been traded for John Wall. So John Wall is now in the Houston Rockets, and uh, Russell Westbrook is with the Washington Wizards. Um, and I talk about this at length uh, with my buddy Coach Curry on in uh, in our sports talk uh, show. So check that out if you haven't. But you know, I really feel like um, from a team perspective, you know, assuming this next story I'm about to break isn't true, but if assuming uh, that uh, you know Harden and Wall can you know figure it out that they're in a better position to win more games right now, you know, and they got to protect their first round pick out of the deal. So, you know, I think that Russell Westbrook and, J and Bradley Bill can be dynamic in spots, but I really think if you compare a team, comparing contracts team to team and coach to coach, I think that the uh, Rockets are in a slightly better position and I think they'll win more games, especially in the West, you know, hell if the Rockets were in the East, they might be talking, you know, top five, you know, because it's different out there in the East. But regardless, I think they still are, are have the ability to compete, you know, better from for this season at least. The Rockets do versus the Wizards. So who really won that trade? You know, because I mean, let's be real. Russell Westbrook's not getting the old, any younger, and John Wall is. We got to wait and see with him and his injuries he had. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, is he going to be that same guy or better? You know, because he's getting up there too. So I mean, he's younger than Westbrook is, but he's not twenty five. So we'll see how that checks out. But I'm, I'm curious. You know, and then related to that particular news as well, you know, you know, as of, you know, Tuesday morning, as when you're hearing this, you know, James Harden decided that uh, he won't go report a camp on time. So, uh, and not only that, you know, um, you know, a slight tidbit of the, what the protocols are for NBA, you know, you're not supposed to go to nightclubs and public gatherings and social gatherings that have more than 15 people, right? Indoors, right? This joker was out in the club. <laughs> last Sunday night, Sunday night, it was Sunday night. Yeah. He got in the club Sunday night, you know, partying, no, no mask on, you know? So what if he comes in there, what comes in the Rockets locker room with COVID? <laughs> then what? <laughs> I swear, boy, I tell you, but that tells me, I mean, it's one of two things. Like it's really a selfish move regardless, but it really tells me from his mindset that either a, you know, he just wants to be a diva or two or B two or B, whatever you want to call it. He wants to, out of Houston, flat out. Like, you know, you know, did they not consult him when they did their coaching hire? You know, is that what, what you know, because he not fool with Steve Silas? Because, you know, Silas got on the news today talking about, you know, he, 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 he classified this as a holdout, <laughs> you know, and he, you know, he, the, he told the Rockets Harden, them talking about, told him he was going to report. He just won't report on time, which, you know, I guess, I guess a preferential, you know, move because, you know, who, who can just up and say, oh, I ain't coming to Campbell and I get fined. 
you know, but your star player, your your, your MVP caliber player, then say that and just be like, all right, whatever. We'll see when we see. You know, but again, that says locker room precedence too. Like you looking at it like, okay, this dude just don't want to show up and we're trying to, we got a quick turnaround. We're trying to, you know, build here. We're trying to fit John Wall into the system and you're not here. You're supposed to be the leader. You know, so you're supposed to set the tone. You know, you don't show up. So, you know, I'm curious. I mean, I, I kind of feel like, you know, my gut kind of telling me there's a holdout situation. And he really wants out and he's been saying that and he's trying to force his way to New Jersey. I said New Jersey. They're not in Jersey anymore. Brooklyn. <laughs> he's trying to force his way to the Nets in in the Brooklyn or somewhere else that's going to be, you know, quote unquote better for him. But like I said before in the past, I think that he's the issue, you know, and it's one of those things. Is he one of those people that don't really see him as being a problem? He think everybody else is the problem and he don't want to acknowledge the fact that he's a problem in the way he plays, you know, you know, and, and, you know, you know, Congress is so, you know, Kobe said it, you know, best is when they talked about James Harden is the dynamic play. You know, he said that it's nice to watch in the regular season, but guess what? You can't win a playoff games like that. And it's been true ever since he's been playing the way he's been playing in Houston. You can't win playoff games that way. And that's always going to be true. So I'm sorry, James Harden. I feel like you're the problem boss, you know, until you realize that, you know, or when it gets a little bit later in your career and you realize that you can't be as dominant as you were in the past, you realize that you need, you need other people to help you along the way and take some load off you, you know, you know, from a, a you know, rep perspective, you have to, you know, understand that you need help. It's a five on five game. It's not a one on five game. So we'll see what happens with him. See if he comes to camp on time or he gonna, you know, it'll it'll break later. Maybe that he's flat out saying I'm holding out and I need to be traded or I ain't coming. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, so so the schedule came out for the NBA and uh yeah, um very interesting, very um detailed schedule on the first half. They didn't release the whole time schedule. They only gave you the first half of the schedule because we can play 72 games as opposed to 82. Right. So they gave you the first half and they're going to kind of wait and see how this pandemic treats us. And then we'll, they'll release the second half based upon, you know, how that, how we fare in the first half. Right. So that was one thing, you know, and you know, they discussed in length of how the games are going to be played. Of course, you know, I guess every state has its own mandates, quote unquote. So they can't give a a car blanche ruling about what uh, you're going to do as um, far as fans is concerned. Um, you know, because like you know, California in particular, you know, New York, Jersey, and places like that, they have these you know you know orders where you can't have public gatherings like concerts and, and sporting events. You know, and and you can't override the state rules. So you know, you have to go with what you go with when it comes to that. You know, some other states and some other places have the ability to have limited numbers of fans, and they will probably say that no matter what, if you have, if you do have fans, you can't have more than this many. That's probably what they're going to say in the end game. But overall, you know, playing on the road, playing, you know, games in a quick turnaround like this, and like I said, I've I've, I've said it before, I say it again. I got issues with you know the quick turnaround. I got issues with the injuries, like issues with COVID. You know, um, who knows where we're going to be at in the next couple of months with this virus uh, vaccine. So I just hope that, you know, and I, and I like I said, I give the NBA credit, you know, in reading some of these, some of these highlights of these, of this protocol is that they are doing their best to protect their players. I give them, I give them all due credit for that. And I, and I, and I was waiting to, you know, and I said this again in the sports talk. I was waiting to see, and I, and I, you know, I give them, a, uh, give them the benefit of the doubt more so than I give them the NFL, you know, about being player friendly and being player centric and, and, you know, trying to protect their players as much as possible. Cause that's, that's their brand. 
So, you know, the mandates they've given, you can't go to clubs, you can't go to uh, uh, social gatherings indoors, no more than 15 people, you can't go to bars, you can't go to gyms, you know, anything that's public, you know, you can't do none of that. You know, it's all the stuff that got to be private, which in most part it should be. I mean, if you practicing and, you know, things like this, you're in your own facility. You're not going to Gold's Gym or LA Fitness or places like that to work out. You're just not doing it. You might do that more so because they have nice facilities in certain cities that you travel to, but you can't do that either. You know, you can't even go to hotel. You can't even go to hotel gyms unless they do two things, unless they block it off for the whole time, time you're there, one, and you have to sanitize it before and after the team comes in and out. So unless they are willing to do that, which some hotels, because they're getting a lot of money from the NBA, will do, you know, unless you have that, then you can't work out there either. You know, um, you know, they may trust the facility that they're playing, you know, say if I'm, if you're playing, you're traveling to, you know, Denver and you, Denver has their own facilities and their own practice. And they said, we'll sanitize the gyms for y'all to practice and weight lift and do these things from this time. And, you know, you can just stay in there, stay in their facility and that works too, you know, but Overall, I mean, the, the protocols are very strict. You know, they're talking about finding you $100,000 or more and, you know, stripping draft picks and, and um, you know, even forfeiting games in certain regards if you don't follow these protocols. So they're being strict. I give them, I give them credit for it. And they will, they will evaluate it as they go along. But the problem is that, you know, if even if you follow all these rules, you know, and, and this is going for people just in general. And I hate to say this, but even following all those guidelines, some people have still gotten this thing. So it's it's somehow in some ways it's not going to fully protect them, and it's going to be cases. I hate to say it, and I don't want to see it, you know, but it's going to be cases. So just have to manage the best we can, and then uh, you know, football versus basketball, you can t- literally you can deal with it more so on the football team because you have fifty three players, but you only got twelve to fifteen at the most on the basketball team. You can literally take a whole look at the Ravens; they had you know enough cases for a whole basketball team. And they could have took a whole basketball team worth of people out. Same vein. They could take a whole team's worth out of just one case. And it could affect everybody. Everybody was contact, you know, traced into this person. And everybody got a quarantine. Which will cause you to either reschedule or forfeit a game. Or, you know, playing with people that you don't normally have starting or playing long minutes. I mean, it could be crazy. So we just got to wait and see. But the protocols in place are definitely good. I mean, I definitely give them credit for for having the you know forethought to be like I need y'all to be you know steadfast and I think really what's going to really boil down to is is it coming down to the players being accountable and being safe and you know you from top to bottom your top captain your leader to the last guy on the bench everybody buying into the fact that we kind of stay safe and can't get this thing because it's going to affect everybody and care about everybody on top of yourself and that will help that will help the uh, up them get past this and not be able to have a outbreak of mass proportion. So we'll see, we'll see, man. You know, but I think that overall it's going to be interesting season. Um, we'll kick it off on the twenty second, Christmas Day. Got a bunch of good games, so we'll see how it goes, man. Um, the last segment before we get on to NFL news is that um, want to talk about who I feel like they were the top four teams in each uh, conference. Um, you know, and I'll start with the West. I mean, that's pretty easy to decipher. Um. But my top four picks uh, for the for the upcoming season for the West, of course, the Lakers are one. Um, I would say uh, I would give a slight nod, slight nod to the Nuggets um, being two. Um, I would give the Clippers three, and I would give the Mavericks four. Uh, for right now, though, those are my top four teams that um, coming back from this season and how they retooled and re 
align their uh, offenses and their their rosters. So I think that'll be my top four uh, for the for the West. For the East, um, I'm going to say the Heat are number one. I will say honestly, I really feel like the Nets are number two. Um, it's all predicated upon how well Kyrie and KD come back to full strength off injury, right? But I think talent-wise, I think they're number two because I really like Karis Levert. I really like him. I really like him as a three for them, a third scorer for them. I think they really can do good things in the East. Um, I'm going to give Boston the the four, and I'm going to give the Bucks the five. I mean, I mean, excuse me. I'm going to give the Boston three, and I'm going to give the Bucks the four. So those are my top four um, for NBA going into the preseason slash regular season. So we'll see how that shakes out. But, um, you know, I'll give more details about my power rankings, you know, once the NBA gets going well. But, there's, you know, I think does, you know, going into the season, just from what I can see from my optics perspective, I like those uh, four teams in each uh, conference. So we'll see how it shakes out. So let's move on to the NFL, man. <laughs> man, oh, man. I tell you, it, you know, week 13. Week 13, the witching hour, wild world of sports when it comes to NFL. Man, oh, man. Like, you know, I really thought, looking at my weekly picks, I was like, this is going to be a good week. This is going to be a good week. But I tell you, when these games will have you biting your nails because you're thinking it's going to be a blowout or walk off and it's close or, you know, they're on the pre-will on the brink of losing when they're supposed to be winning, going away, it, it was nerve-wracking. It was nerve-wracking. Let's start. Let's start with the the New York Football Jets, right? And this debacle that they had against the Raiders, right? <laughs> what? Oh my Lord Jesus! Oh no, I don't know. And I got two issues, and I'm, I'm gonna bring these two issues up before I really delve into this game real quick, right? I have. There's been a lot of hail marys and slash hail marys in the in the past few weeks, right? And I got two questions. One, why is it that a lot of people are going for the interception in the end zone versus batting the ball down and winning the game? Because this is literally the last play of the game. Why are you not batting the ball down and winning the game versus trying to pick the ball off? Which has ended up getting, you know, passes caught on you. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, even in the Chargers game, which was tragic at the end of the, when they played the Bills. But, you know, you're going for the interception versus, like, do you have a clause in your contract? If you get an interception, you get a certain amount of money or something? I mean, what is that about? Because why are you trying to pick the ball off when you should be knocking it down? And I get, and I, and I, and I fought the defense coordinators because you should be yelling at these fools, knock the ball down. You know, I remember years gone by when you put your tallest guy receiver-wise back there as well so he can just go up and and reach the highest point with his vertical jump and being six 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 seven or whatever the case may be and batting the ball down. But you got five ten DBs trying to out jump six three receivers, and and trying to intercept the ball versus knocking it down and winning the game. You know that happened to the Bills. You know it happened to the you know um, it happened to the Bills twice actually, and you know it didn't it didn't one one was a win one was a loss. But you know why are we trying to do that? And I've seen quite a few people do it. In, you know in each half, like why are you trying to do that? Bat the ball down. You know, and in the converse of this, going to the Jets game. You know, instead of backing up and literally, you know, coming towards the ball, coming to the, uh, you know, from the end zone to the whether the ball was placed, you decided to go uh, <laughs> a cover zero blitz on the last play of the game, allow Derek Carr to step up in the pocket and throw to his four two speed receiver and Henry Ruggs for a score that ended the game. This call by Greg Williams ultimately got him fired today. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he ultimately got him fired. Monday morning, he was out of a job. So, yeah, good job, Greg Williams. Good job. So, why? I mean, why would you? I mean, I, I don't see. I get. I, I get the idea of trying to pressure him a little bit to make him throw faster, but you don't all out blitz him with two rookie corners on the outside, and you got Nelson Aguilar who's speed, and you got Nelson and Henry Ruggs who's ridiculous speed, ludicrous speed. Shout out to Spaceballs. You know, he got ludicrous speed running down the sideline against a corner that's, you know, not the most fleet of foot and and fell for a double move on top of that. Like, and that goes back to my conspiracy theory about the fact that the owner did, look, y'all, we don't need to be winning no more games. We're all in on Trevor Lawrence. We need to win zero games. The Jags can't win a game either. They got one win. We need to keep zero in order to get this first round pick. Number one overall, we want to draft Trevor Lawrence. So guess what? We don't need y'all. Take this $10,000 in this double bag. But and and give up these touchdowns so we can get these losses. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it, man. I really don't get it. You know, which begs the question. You know, <laughs> you know, is is thinking a good thing? I'm gonna bring it up. I'm bring it up in, in in for the record. Quick for the record segment. So stay tuned for that. I have a que- I've, I'm gonna bring that up in for the record. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. But overall, man, like I said, Greg Williams is out of a job. The Raiders get a victory they probably shouldn't have gotten. They the Jets should have gotten their first win and i think from a morale perspective i really think the jets should at least have won that game they've had a couple of games they should have won it could it should have been the Chargers. they could have had, they had opportunity to beat them you know at my apparel and also they had an opportunity to beat the, the raiders yesterday you know well sunday night sunday afternoon and they didn't you know I, I just, it's, it's very demoralizing as a player to me if you just can't seem to win games and you keep figuring out new and better and inventive ways to win, lose games. I mean, we know that and in, in, in from a charge perspective. So, you know, it just, it just hurts morale, man. It just hurts morale. So I think the Jets, you know, that debacle that is the Jets, it strikes again. That's all I can really say. You just don't blitz, zero blitz a man with when you got speedy receivers and slow corners out on the edge and expect to not lose the game. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, so, in a total flip of that, what happened to Baker Mayfield this weekend? What got into him? He must have ate his Wheaties or something. Like, I don't know, he's, you know, his his wife must have cooked him some something good, you know, or gave him something better, you know, you know, in the late night because he he was a different different man this week. He was a different man this week, at least in the first half. <laughs> we'll give him credit for having a masterful first half, like. I haven't seen the performance out of a Browns quarterback, you know, the performance like that out of the Browns quarterback in ever, you know, I mean, he was cooking the Titans, cooking them, you know, and, you know, and the Titans came to the game was like, look, we don't give a damn what you do. Y'all not running the ball. And they didn't, they literally took their runaway, but you know, they was like, for better or for worse, we're going to make Baker beat us. And I've been saying that's been here. Achilles Hill. Like if you make Baker throw the ball a lot, Guess what? He'll end up typically end up losing. But this wasn't the case this week. Now, now let's not let's not let's not skirt the fact that they almost lost this game as well. Like it was a walk off in the first half, but it was close in the second half. Like they really took their foot off the gas and let let the Titans make come come back and bring it bring it bring it close. You know, they were one possession end up being a one possession game. You know, but you know, outside of that, you know, you know, Baker played great. And I don't know who this guy was. Like, you know, we just, we just, all, we, everybody pretty much had, I guess, acquiesced to the fact that he was going to be a game manager, you know, type of quarterback. He wasn't going to be an elite, I'm going to win a game on my own back, in my own arm, 
type of guy. He just wasn't going to be that guy. That's how we felt, you know, and he was totally different today. <laughs> I keep saying today like he played today. However, he was totally different in that game this week, period. And I, I have to give him credit for being great in the first half. He threw the ball precisely, accurately, and uh, he made great decisions. You know, what happened that led to that, you know, conservative slash, you know, comeback bid by the Titans, I don't know. But his play, overall play, and he stayed clean in this game, it was great. I had to give him credit. Got to give him credit. Now, you know, are the, are the Browns for real? Or are they just a, a benefit of playing inconsistent teams and, 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 and light teams? I mean, you got a chance to play the Bengals twice. For, for, I mean, that, and outside of this game, those, those are the best game passing games he's had against the Bengals. You know, the Bengals, two Bengals games, he had good passing numbers. And this game that he played against the Titans are the best passing performance he's had all year. Maybe his whole career. So, soft schedule and inconsistent teams probably a benefit. But regardless, I had to give him kudos for playing that game the way he played it. I don't know who that guy was, but he played. His celebrations were terrible. You know, were terribly immature. Let me call it that way. But, but I mean, he earned it. I mean, he was balling. And he knew it, you know. But uh, but yeah, uh, that's just that's just it. So we'll see what happens bigger next week. You know, it might be total flip. But but uh, shouts out to him for having a good performance. So next we will talk about the Steelers. Um, you know, I I I was very uh, nervous for the Steelers um, when Bud Dupree went down. I really felt like that he was the linchpin of that defense um, because it allowed for him, because he's a dominant pass rusher. He damaged, he's a dominant edge defender, period. And I felt like, you know, regardless of whether they got Stephon Seward and Cameron Hayward in the middle, I feel like him and TJ Watt, especially in nickel and sub packages, were, you know, very, very good for that defense. And it allowed them to not have to cover extensively and have issues in the secondary and get, you know, torched in the pass game. But when Bud, when Bud went down, I was like, oh, my God, they're in trouble. You know, and, and it, it reared his ugly head today because let's be honest, the Steelers offense hasn't been looking good in the last three, two or three weeks at least, right? That's one thing. And on top of that, you know, them having issues on defense and having uh, not having that viable edge in Bud not being there because he takes pressure off of every the rest of the D-line, especially T.J. Watt. Um, cause you can't just up and say, I'm going to double watt and let, you know, let everybody else single up and we'll be okay because we don't have Bud wreaking havoc on the other side, you know? So he took pressure off TJ, allowed him to flourish and he can flourish cause he's always going to get one-on-one blocks for the most part. You got Cameron and in, it pushing the pocket up in the middle and they were good up front. They were good up front, even with the loss, loss of Devin Bush. But that loss to me hurt them a lot because now you can focus on TJ, minimize him, you know, and um, quite frankly, mobile quarterbacks can pretty much run away from to it in Hayward, to be honest, you know, because they don't push the pocket and get their hands on them up, up in the middle, you know, automatically you're just, you're ineffective. So, you know, and that led to the issue of uh, them losing today for the first time against the Washington football team. You know, I mean, kudos to the football team. I mean, they're front seven. And, you know, Alex Smith, Mr. Checkdown Charlie, got it done today. You know, I mean, he even threw the ball down the field a little bit. You know, so I got to give him credit. You know, and they stayed, you know, relevant in winning the NFC East, which is surprising, you know, in, in, in a lot of regards. Because I thought the Giants might have put a stranglehold on it yesterday by beating the Seahawks, but they didn't. The Seahawks laid an egg, you know, so did the Titans, <laughs> you know, and – all of a sudden, you know, we got a two-game, two-team race, you know, barring, you know, I guess, I guess, I guess barring the Cowboys lose, 
their game against the Ravens, but I think I don't think it'll happen, especially with Lamar Jackson playing. But regardless, I think that that's that puts them in a two man race with you know with a slightly you know light schedule going down the line for the football team. So you know, you know, I don't know. I I think that it really that it's going to really hurt the Steelers. Um, chances, you know, I, and I always been a person to say that if you're gonna lose one game, lose in the regular season. So you can go fifteen to one, you know, and that you know should maybe put you in the first round by, you know, maybe it just depends. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really see the Chiefs losing anymore, in theory. So, yeah, who who gets the number one seed? Because I didn't play each other. You know, it's gonna be down to strength of schedule, conference wins, whatever the case may be, math, you know, mathematic, you know, decisions, but. You know, it it might it might help them by not having being being off in the week. You know, in the wild card week. So who knows? But I think they have issues on defense, man. I think there's going to be an issue, especially with mobile quarterbacks. Your Josh Allen's, your Patrick Mahomes, even your Ryan Tannehill's, Lamar Jackson. You know, so I think it's going to be different for them, and I'm concerned that they may falter. You know, here down the line, because um, their offenses definitely needs to get up back on track, and their defense. It's not going to help them out or bail them out as much as it used to. So they got to figure it out or they're going to be sitting home after the first week. So, yeah, so talking about inconsistency in both conferences, the Titans and the Seahawks, I tell you, every time I heap praise to these teams, you know, they seem to always let me down. You know, I was looking at the Seahawks like being a front, but Dark Horse front runner for being the NFC uh, representative for the Super Bowl. And he laid a game against the Giants. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the Giants' front four, especially. They play good um, defense, especially, you know. But you, if you had to compare and contrast the offense versus the defense, Seattle's offense versus the Giants' defense, they should have won this game. Russell Wilson was under duress, and they couldn't run the ball effectively for real. And they just look lethargic on offense. And let's be real, the defense isn't lights out, but they will give you enough go healthy to be able to get enough stops to allow the offense to stay on the field and put the points up that they normally put up, but they didn't happen this week. Only person who really had a good game was DK Metcalf, and he didn't score a touchdown. It, it was bad. It was it was horrible to watch. I just didn't. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, that's not the Russell Wilson I know. That's not the Russell Wilson I know. So I need them to figure it out too. You know, um, the Titans as well. You know, I, very inconsistent. The defense, the pass rush especially, is a problem. You know, they can't cover for long. You know, and they starting they starting to fall apart defensively, especially. You know, I mean, they, look how many points they gave up to the Browns, and they didn't run the ball well. The Browns they always run the ball, and they let them torch them in the passing game. Baker torched them in the passing game. So who would have thought that? Like literally, if you woke up <laughs> any morning and they said, "Okay, to this today, Baker Murphy's going to torch the Titans defense for four touchdowns." Yeah, right. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyhow, so. The problem I have is the inconsistency, you know, and you can't be, you have four games left. You can't be inconsistent down the stretch. So, you know, and I think you can, you almost, you can lump the Cardinals into that in the Rams too. You can't be inconsistent going, you have to be able to put your best game, three games together in order to win, you know, wild card, division round, conference title game, and you're in the Super Bowl. And then you can just let it all hang out in the Super Bowl, you know. But you got to play four. If you want to be a champion, you got to be four, four of your best games. 
And none of these teams I mentioned have put together that stretch of games or at least two or three to say that I'm going to be a team to that could really threaten to take it all the way to Super Bowl. So you got two to three weeks to figure it out because if you don't figure out the next two to three weeks, it's gonna be it's gonna linger into the playoffs and you're gonna likely get beat. You know? And that leads me to the to this topic is that with this such inconsistency in the NFC period, who's the front runner? Honestly, who's the front runner? Look, let's look at the West. They said the West at one point was the toughest division in all of NFC. The the Rams are inconsistent. The Cardinals are really inconsistent, and the, now the Seahawks are, are showing inconsistencies. Who who is going to flash and 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 be the front runner? The the Bucks got woes internally, like they're infighting at this point. People don't focus on it, but they, they've had a bye week this week, so maybe they can kind of work things out internally, but unless they do that, they got they got issues, and they got problems. The Saints, although they're sitting on probably the best defense in the league right now, they're, they got a freaking running back as a quarterback. So who's who's the front runner? Who's the front runner? Honestly, who is it? Is, is it the Packers? Because they're honest and truly, the Packers are the only team that's really playing consistent ball offensively right now. The defense is bad. I was at Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage is a baller. You hear me? He's a baller. He's a ball hawk field general. He's he covers a lot of ground. Covers a lot of ground when it comes to uh his play making in the secondary. He covers a lot of ground. Watch that kid. Watch out for that kid. I'm telling you, Darnell Savage is a baller. But oh, outside of that, I mean, the defense is lackluster. Don't like the only thing that their 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 best defense is good offense right now for the Packers. So. Technically, the Packers are front runner. You got a Hall of Fame best quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's, it's really amazing to watch Aaron Rodgers throw the ball, by the way. I just want to put that out there. It's amazing to watch him throw the football. It's amazing. But regardless, who's the front runner? Outside the Packers, I'm, I have questions. But like I said, the Packers got issues with defensive. So if you got a, a team that can put up and can match them offensively, can they win it as well? Like, there's no clear favorite for me in the NFC right now. It's 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 almost it's very depressing, honestly. So I want to name and say this team, this team, this team, but it's not inconsistent play. So we got, you know, we got week 14, 15, 16, 17, 11. We got four games. So who's going to flash and who's going to show consistent play down the stretch and get win these games and get to the playoffs and show that they're going to, they want to represent the NFC. Who's it going to be? So the last bit before we get out here for who's in the news, uh, the Eagles and the Dolphins quarterback situation, like what's happening there? What is happening there? I don't. I'm. I'm concerned, you know, more so for the Dolphins than I am for the Eagles because, you know, the, the Eagles in a, in a no win situation. Like, yes, you drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. I like Jalen Hurts. Now, I, I, you know, my mock before we got Justin Herbert, which was a great pickup, and Kenneth Murray was a gr- hell of a pickup. You know, moving up in the first round. So, you know, my my thought was to get Isaiah Simmons and get Jalen Hurts in the second. That was my thought. That could happen, and we could still have a good quarterback, right? With Tyrod Taylor being the bridge, right? We actually, I wanted Cam Newton too, but that's a whole other conversation. But regardless, that you know, I like Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is is a, is a good kid. He's a, he's a he's a competitor. He's an athlete. He's good. You know, but you're stuck, Philly, with Carson Wentz. You're stuck. You know, there is no getting out of this situation without crippling your team for the next two or three years. There's no getting out from under, out from under Carson Wentz. You're stuck with him. So you got to do something, change your coach, change your coordinator, do something, you know, change your personnel around him, do something to make him work. 
you know, so starting Jalen Hurts is, is maybe that's just a psychological move to say that maybe he'll get right, you know. But you have to look at Carson Wentz's, you know, supporting cast in a certain regards. Like some of this stuff is really on him. I, I will I will say that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bail him out. I'm not gonna do that. However, his offensive line and the 13 games they played, they've never been a, the same lineup the entire year outside of one game, maybe. The O-line has fluctuated in, in different people in and out the whole year. You know, and I, I, I get it because that's how the Chargers were last year. Like, we never had the same offensive line, you know, week to week. So that's hard to build a new camaraderie and chemistry with and have some trust in. You know, because, like, like, Tom Brady had the same O-line, you know, in his, you know, his, um, you know, Cinderella years. You know, so, you know, that – that allows you to build some type of consistency and some type of trust. Knowing these guys are going to block for you, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. You know their tendencies. You know what they can do, they can't do. You know, it allows you to build that. You can't build that with a different O-line every week. You can't. So that that's bottom line. And that's up front. That's, start, that's the primary foundational problem. So you got to fix that. You got to get them some, a decent receiver. And a tight end isn't beefing with the organization, so he, he can give them some safety routes and dump-offs. Got to do that. But overall decision making, he's got to be better. So, but like I said, Philly, you're stuck with him. It is what it is. Now, talking about the Dolphins situation, Dolphins situation is, is puzzling to me. I don't get it. Like, you, although he was playing well, you benched Ryan Fitzpatrick for the sake of Tua Tango Valoa, right? You know, he didn't have a really good showing, you know, in the, in the time he was there to the point where he got benched in the front of principal winning a game because you felt like that you were now in a front running. Uh, chances to win to make the playoffs right so you bench him for Fitzpatrick again and Fitzpatrick comes in and, and he wins you know he, he competes and then he wins one game for you so now you really got a stronghold on the wild card right but then you, but then you go back to Tua this week who yet again didn't have a good game but they did win you know I mean, let's let's be real let's let's look at who they were playing you know let's just be honest here but regardless you know you you uh you keep flip flopping quarterbacks, and how can you honestly and truly expect to go anywhere? You know, you know, you know, you can't you can't play the Bengals every week. So how can you expect to go anywhere with your quarterback? You know, being different week to week. Like you'll leave Tua in there long enough for him to either, you know, have a, you know, a good game or a flop game, or the defense bail him out. And then if you, if it gets tight, it gets critical. You go to Fitzpatrick. I mean, I don't know. From a quarterback psyche perspective, like how do you how do you get up for these games? Like you don't know if you're gonna play. You're not. It's just weird. Like and who has a dual quarter both? Who has a dual quarterback system in the league? You know, you have that in high school and sometimes maybe college. You have quarterbacks that do different things, but you don't. You have one quarterback in the league. That's just it. So why is it that y'all? Keep flip flopping and two of this one week and Fitzpatrick the next week. Or two is looking terrible this week. Guess what? I will just go back with Fitzpatrick. Eh, I don't get it. I get. I give them credit for both both being troopers and not being um, sulking in this. You know, not you know not sulking and being very uh, toxic in this regard because they not they don't like where they're being treated or like the way they're being used. But some got to give. Some got to give. I don't know. I don't know. You know, but. You know, I mean, like I said, he had a 72.5 quarterback rating. It's all horrible. But, again, he's playing the Bengals. 
you know, talk to me when you play a, a decent team and whether you have a good game. Because decent teams he's hadn't had, had a good game against. I mean, the Bengals are just the Bengals. I mean, you know, he had a mediocre game. He had a, he's probably his best game, you know, from a decent, not great team. Well, I, I'm not going to say that because the Chargers' defense is terrible. So I'm not going to say that. He had his best passing game, you know, best, I guess you can say, quote, unquote, you know, best game against the Chargers. You know, he threw touchdown passes and things of that nature. But overall, I mean, you know, if you're going to be a playoff team, you got to be able to compete with hiring talent. And outside of winning, outside of being teams that are in the top five of the draft, you know, he hadn't really done much. So what's going to become of the Dolphins is my question at the bottom line. What's going to, be, what's going to become of them? I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see what happens next week, you know, in Dolphins news. But they're 8-4. I mean, what can you say? They're 8-4. I mean, you know, can't take that away from them, you know. But i tell you this, though. They got the Chiefs next week. So, uh, yeah, strap it in. And will we see Fitzpatrick next week? Because that's going to be an interesting game, if nothing else. They got him at home, though. So I, I do. we'll see how it goes. But, you know, the Chiefs play well on the road, so it's not a big deal. So we'll see. But 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 uh, we'll do a team to watch out for before we get out of here for who's in the news. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Bills this week, you know. And it, and I hope I don't condemn them, you know, honestly, truly, because I feel like everybody that I put in the team to watch out for a segment has lost or looked bad in the next week or two or three. So I hope I don't jinx you, Bills. But you look good today, you know. Well, Monday night, I'm gonna say you look good Monday night, you know, against the 49ers. Um, we know who beat up on the Rams last week. Um. You know, Josh Allen was dealing today. Like he, you know, he just like y'all gonna see him play zone. I'm gonna carve it up, and I'm gonna have a career day. <laughs> he looked great today. Oh, it was it was it was it was a sight to see. I had to give him all credit for really looking efficient today. And I was really looking for him. It took him a while because I wanted him to have this game prior to now. It took him a while, but he did finally have that game, that statement game where he really was dominant, and he took that that leap. To being, you know, a better quarterback. I mean, we're talking 32 of 40, 375, and four touchdowns. I mean, he was dealing. 139.1 QBR. I mean, quarterback rating, excuse me. He was dealing. He was dealing, man. I got to give him more credit. So, hopefully the Bills can make some noise, man, because the Titans are inconsistent. The Steelers got problems defensively. Uh, you know, the, the Chiefs even played the Broncos tight, the, you know, it's Sunday night. I, I didn't understand that either. They played them tight. So, you know, can y'all be a dark horse? Maybe, maybe not. You got a good defense. You got a hell of an offense. Run the ball a little more, and you'll be all right. So that's going to wrap it up for Who's in the News, man. Stay tuned for a quick for the records. Locked on Davis Podcast. And this is for the record, the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Um, <laughs> I got a, uh, I guess you can say a rolling topic here that I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, in regards to the NFL, the No Fun League, Not For Long League, whatever you want to call it, right? You know, I have an issue, you know, and it's actually going to be a two-parter. Now I think about it, it's going to be a two-parter. Um, real quick, though, you know, in looking at the Jets debacle, that was the Raiders game last uh, this past Sunday. 
you know, it's very obvious. You know, it's not. It's one of those things. You know, it used to be in the back in the day, and this, and and I, you know, social media help. It doesn't help this, but I always wondered. You know, when people were being shady, creating, you know, committing crimes, why they, you know, in, in past years you would very be very secretive about what you were doing, like you were being real covert about your actions. In this day and age, people will tell you that, yeah, I'm scamming and and be out front with it, be all on social media with it. And I just never understood that ideology. Same vein when it comes to uh, the NFL and their, um, I guess you can say their team stances on where they want to, how they want to finish, right? The justice is clear to me at this point, especially with that terrible, terrible decision to, and I watched a little bit in the, in the Chargers game too. They they gave that game away too. They could have won that game. They gave that game away too. But I watched it, it was very profusely obvious that they were not trying to win this game against the Raiders. You know, they were um, in prime position because they felt like even with one win, it's going it's to ruin their chance of getting Trevor Lawrence, right? So my question is, should the NFL allow, you know, because your players, players are being paid every game to play, should the NFL allow tanking? You know, and I'm not even sure that you police it. How do you police it? I'm not, I don't have the, you know, 150 page document on how you police tanking, right? You know, and I've talked about this before about how, you know, to me as a player is demoralizing. You know, I don't want to go into every week knowing I'm going to lose. You know, I'm just not that type of person, and I I need to do something different. You know, if I'm if I'm just going to go to go into the, every game knowing I'm going to lose, like because you're not even putting out good film, you know, to to further your career. Like if I'm a Jet, you know, talking about them, and I'm playing for them defensively, offensively, whatever, and I'm playing for them, you know, the dysfunction that is the organization right now doesn't give me good film to to market to other teams where and when I'm trying to get a different job. You know, because if I'm going to be out of New York next year and I want to go play with somebody else, then, you know, your your last performance is what I have to go on. You know, you're only good as your last game is what they say. So what do you have film-wise? You wasted a whole 16 games of your life practically with no good film to show for it to, oh no, to prove the other team that you, 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 you worth a damn. <laughs> you know, that's just it. So, you know, for the just for the player's perspective – you know, for morale, you know, and just competition. Should the NFL allow tanking in in the league? Like, should there be some type of, you know, if it's blatantly obvious that you're not trying to win games, right? If it's blatantly obvious that you're not trying to do these things, should they be penalized for this? You know, should they should they be knocked down a peg in a draft because of it? You know, something like that. Like, if you, if you can – flat out tell that you're not putting your best foot forward and you're not playing up to the potential that you should be playing, should you be, should you be uh, penalized for it? You know, that's a good question. You know, because if every team in the league has to play competitive football for four quarters every week, regardless of, you know, your talent level, if you just have to play hard every week, that makes for a better experience in the NFL, in my opinion. It makes for better games, you know. Um, you know, and people, you have – good better film you know to put out you know you're looking at it like you know well at least we play hard you know we lost but we play hard and i got film to say i play hard i get good effort and i have good talent so i can go play for somebody else if i'm not gonna stay here any longer after the season's over you know, it's just a question i had it's just a question i had
you know about about that particular ideology like is it is it is it is it okay for you to do that you know you know because it, it again like I say, it it curries you know i guess you could say you know lack of favor in people that want to play for these organizations because that you know i mean to be honest if you're a top in talent you don't want to go to the jets you don't want to go to the browns in in, in recent years you know you don't want to go to the Bengals, you know, Lions. You know, these teams, you know, you typically don't want to go there because you know what type of culture that they have and what type of uh, presence they have been setting over these years that there's been lackluster. You know, so why, if I'm a high total free agent or a rookie, you know, coming into the league, why would I want to play with these organizations? You know, why would I want to do that? You know. And and maybe it should be an issue too, where like you can trade around, you know, draft picks if they don't want to play for your organization because you're lackluster. And then that 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 begs the question too, like you know, if um you know if if rookies had the ability to you know have say so in where they go, you know, if they if you know like take Trevor Lawrence, if he just absolutely positive don't want to go to the Jets. You know, could he, you know, quote unquote, say that, yeah, I want to play for you or yeah, I don't. So that should let you know that you have to put the best foot forward in order to prove to him that he want him to come here. You know, I mean, just ideas I'm throwing around because the whole idea of tanking to me bothers me. It, it really, it really does bother me. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like it. You know, you're just giving away games and people are risking their lives and their bodies and, you know, having car wreck after car wreck Sunday after Sunday, and you have no hopes of winning anything. That's just bad business to me. It's bad business to me. I don't, I just don't like it. I don't like it. It's, 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 it's troublesome to me. And I don't, you know, and when it's clearly obvious, like it's, I mean, nobody sit here and think that they don't want to get the first round pick, first overall pick. Everybody knows at this point, it's no secret, you know, and it should that thing type of thing be allowed. Should that type of thing be allowed? I, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I don't have the rules which, by which you police it, but, you know, you have maybe just some type of competitive uh, competitive uh, mandate that you have to compete, you know, each week and you can't, you know, take plays off and, you know, you have, you have to show good effort. I mean, like I said, I don't even know how you police that type of thing, but it should be better from a competition perspective. You know, everybody, if you know for sure everybody's going to play hard every week and that's gonna make, it's going to make the game better, going to make people better, going to make teams play better, it's going to make better football. You know, better competitive football. So, you know, that's pretty much it, man. I just wanted to talk about the whole tanking thing because they really bothered me about them losing this game. And then ultimately got Greg Williams fired, you know, and I really think that the head coach as well is going to be out the door come uh, the offseason. You know, they're just trying to ride it out and hopefully he buys into the ideology we're just going to lose every game and then we'll fire you for your efforts. You know, that, that, that to me, that's crazy to me too. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not defending him at all. Cause he's not a he's not a good coach, and I'm not sure why we didn't think of hiring him in the first place. But regardless, you know, I think that they, you know, you know, the idea of going into this, you know, knowing from the jump, you know, Jaguars included, you know, because they were in full tank mode by selling off their good talent and trying to rebuild, which you're going to be, you know, doing that constantly, you know, a vicious cycle, because you're never going to garner enough recognition and talent you know in order to be able to break through and be competitive because you you squander away your opportunities with people you know you had sam donald for you know two and a half three years and you did nothing with him now you're gonna bring trevor lawrence in to do the same exact thing which to me is tragic because he's a highly you know talented and uh quarterback but you know yet again you're gonna like he squander his time for the first 
four to five years and he's gonna have to go prove himself somewhere else. You know, I mean, because honestly, truth, if you're highly told a draft pick, you know, quarterback wise, you know, you know, speaking of right now, you know, you see Patrick Mahomes got his deal, you know, Joe Burrows and and Justin Herbert, things like that. You should they should have the the tools to make have them play well in the first you know, two to three years of their contract. So when it, so when it's time for them to get their new deal, they should be getting max money because they were put in a position to play well out the gate. You know, you shouldn't have a Josh Rosen situation where Josh Rosen was brought in at Arizona, you know, then they changed coaches on him in the first year, then he was automatically traded out of there and never really got a full shot. He's bounced around on people's practice squads now, you know. But had he been in a, in a better situation, you know, from the jump, he might have had better success. Same with Sam Donald. You got to put these kids in a better position, man, to to be able to be successful. You know, you can't waste their years and waste their time and their money. Because I said it before, I said it again. You're one hit away from being out of the game altogether, and that's what you go, what you want to hit your wagon to as far as a career. You can't allow people to do do that to you. You know, so overall, I think that you know players need to have more power and more control over their career when the NFL in the NFL is concerned. And, you know, because look at LeBron. You know, he he's, you know, he's dictated his moves from the start to now, you know, all the way to the point where he's, you know, setting himself up to be a free agent when his son becomes available for the draft. So you automatically looking at it like, oh, I get LeBron James and his son as a package deal. Oh, sign me up. So players need to have more control over their career overall. And I think the whole tanking thing when it was bad teams, especially, is bad for business. And these bottom-feeding teams, because I'm going to just be real here. You being a horrible team and having a good quarterback is not going to change your life. It's not. It's not going to change your life. You're going to make a good quarterback mediocre. And that's bad for business, and it's bad for the player itself. So players need to have more control over where they go and will say so how they get drafted, you know. I'm, you know, I'm just saying, like, prime example, like, if you're the Heisman Trophy winner and you're a highly shoulder draft pick, are you thinking going to top five? You should say that I can't go to a team that's under 500. Just, I just, I just throwing ideas out there. I can't go to a team that's under 500. And that's just it. You know, so if a team's under 500, then I shouldn't have to be, I shouldn't have to go there if I don't want, if I don't want to. That's just it. So, but this has been for the record, man. You know, it's like I said, I'm just throwing out some ideas with, you know, things that were bothering me about, uh, you know, the whole ideology of tanking. You know, and, you know, because, like, it, you know, it, it's like the NBA, too. You're looking at it like the lottery. Like, a team that's bad in the NBA doesn't guarantee you you being the number one pick. It doesn't. you still in the lottery. You might have more chances. But when is the last time the worst – when's the last time the absolute worst team has gotten the first overall pick? It hasn't happened because it's a lottery. So maybe the NFL need to adopt the lottery system. I might have just thought about something. Need to adapt the lottery system. So regardless of what you – how you play, you still got a shot at having a nice over, high overall pick that based upon the lottery. You know, if you're the, you know, top, what, 20 teams that, you know, are in the, dra- in the draft and they don't make the playoffs, quote unquote, you should have the chance, you know, you have the equal chance to be the number one pick. It all should be a lottery. And then everything after that is based upon record. So, yeah, think about it, NFL. Think about it. But this is before the record. Stay tuned for Charles Corners, the Lockdown Davies Podcast.
And we are back with Chargers Corners, the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Um, <laughs> you know, I've hit my first, uh, I guess you can say milestone, becoming a, a sports media guy and a podcaster, you know, um, and a fan. You know, this is my first time, you know, out, you know, my first series of podcasting and, and you know, having my own brand, quote unquote, right? And this is uh, it's tough. I mean, this is tough. I, how, as a fan, do you cover a team? And this goes for all the sports writers out there that, you know, cover teams exclusively. Like, there's quite a few people that cover the Chargers exclusively. And they don't just do general news and views like I do on top of covering Chargers news. But how how do you bring yourself to cover this team on a weekly basis or even a daily basis in certain regards when they get throttled 45 to nothing by the Patriots? It's rough. I mean, it, it really took some deep soul searching for me to understand and to come to grips with the fact that I, um, you know, for better or for worse, you got to report news on your team, right? And I, and I get it. You know, it's, things are going to be up and things are going to be down. It's not going to always be, you know, sunshine and roses, right? But in the same vein, you know, it's, it's very hard to, you know, have a fresh positive view on things. You know, it really is because, I mean, you know, um, but I can say, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, we've given up the idea of losing just by one score, you know, and, and if you, you know, if you pay attention in totality, like I have, I think this, this is what this is. I think that the Chargers roster players themselves have decided amongst themselves that they have absolutely positively given up on Anthony Lynn. And I think that's the issue because we've, you know, the, the, the beatings becoming worse. They're, they're not getting better. They're becoming worse. So, you know, 27 to 17 last week, and then that was 45 to nothing this week. And 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 then when you didn't have a starting quarterback to go over 100 yards, you know, a Stidham and Cam together had just over like 120, maybe 130 yards passing, you know, and I'm still baffled how Stidham got in the game. Well, I'm not because they were up by a lot, so they put him in the game just to give him some reps. But regardless, you know, you get beaten large part by special teams woes yet again, you know, and those things – <laughs> it's I hate to say this you know but it's just boils down to a discipline issue when in special teams I mean you know playing special teams in 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 my football career coached them things of that nature you know those type of things are very basic like you know you have a very basic job you know blocking tackling you know running you know lane discipline things of that nature and when those things don't happen at the pro level, hear me when I say, hear me when I say that it is completely indicative of the fact that it's not, it's no discipline. And where does your discipline and your accountability come from if you have, you know, a rookie quarterback? Because you know, let's be honest, be honest in this whole thing. There's a lot of uh, young voices in in the locker room. You know, um, you don't have that veteran quarterback, and veteran quarterback pretty much drives the train. You look at your Tom Brady's, your your Russell Wilson's, your Patrick Mahomes, even you know, um, you know Aaron Rodgers, you know they drive the train, you know, and they are the first ones to step up and, and hold people accountable, you know, when they're not doing things, you know. I mean, you may have a defensive leader on, you know, and I find that's lacking overall, but that's a whole other topic. But defensive leaders are, are more less prevalent, but quarterbacks overall are typically, you know, the driving force and the leaders. So when you have a rookie quarterback and he's having, you know, um, trying to you know get his footing and trying to, um, you know, learn how to be be that guy, you know, young guy, he, you know, you have to get, lean on your leadership and your coaching for that particular discipline and that voice and that dominant, uh, you know, 
voice in the locker room that's going to be holding people accountable and, and getting the best out of them, you know. And and quite frankly, you know, Anthony Lynn and the company are failing drastically at that. And I, like I said, this, at this point, they're just giving up on the guys. You know, I mean, there's no way you get, you know, have consecutive punt returns happen on you, block punts yet again, block field goals, missing kicks. My, I've never seen Michael Badge miss so many kicks since he's been a charger. You know, which calls in question if our, if our kicking game is going to be what it needs to be going forward. Do we need to address that? And they brought in a new kick from the practice squad this week. Like, to put pressure on Badgley, maybe. Or to, you know, evaluate, you know, his position, you know, because he's been missing a lot of kicks lately. You know, and it's just a lack of focus, man. It's just a lack of focus. So things you've been doing in the past well, they just don't go away. You know, but your mental state can get in the way. That's for sure. They can get in the way. And I think that is the issue. If you're giving up on your, your coach in the season – then you just go out there doing whatever, you know, and that's, and that's the biggest issue, you know, because in the manner we got beat this, you know, this particular, you know, week and then score a single point, you know, I, I get it. The Bill Belichick has a, a an uncanny record five and was this? He's five, you know, he's rookie quarterbacks are f- or five and 21 now, according to, to it was just updated five and 21. He worst five and 20 going in five and 21 now by beating Justin Herbert 45 to nothing. So again, it's just effort, man. It's effort and lack of uh, passion and drive and wanting to play for this man. That's what it boils down to for me. That's that's pretty much it. You know, the injuries. You know, outside of people that's flat up, flat out on IR, we had, were completely healthy and we did lose Sam Tevy. You know, was in, in place of Storm Norman. But I think that overall, Storm Norton isn't much worse off than Tevy is. So it's not a real big drop off there. You know, but Balaga and Trey Turner were in the lineup for the first part of the game this week. This week I was shocked. You know, it might be the first time they played a whole game practically together. You know, so, I, again, it was just a lack of effort, man. Lack of effort. And I just think they completely given up on him. And I'm curious to the fact of what the Chargers organization do because they've – I said this before and I said it again. They have always, in, you know, from my purview and my experience as being a Chargers fan, they've always held on to uh, head coaches way too long. You know, they haven't been getting the job done, you know, and I think they uh, are, you know, on Anthony Lynn's side, you know, and I think they, you know, really like him as a person, which I do, too. Don't get me wrong. I like Anthony as a person. He's a great guy, but he's just not a head coach. He's not. A, he's a terrible head coach, terrible decision maker, terrible manager, terrible leader, and he needs to go, you know. And it's one of those things where I think that the players themselves need to go to the owners personally or Tom Telesco, somebody like that, and tell them, look, you know, we love Anthony. He's a good guy, but we need a, a stronger voice in the locker room, especially when you have a rookie quarterback. So you have to move now in order to not squander this opportunity and the talent we have. And we're just going to be forever be mediocre because if we play another season like this on Anthony Lynn and it, it's just bad or worse, then the talent that we need to resign and it should keep, we're going to lose. You know, you ultimately, Derwin James is going to walk out the door. You know, Keenan Allen is signed. You know, Joey Bosa is signed, but that's probably it. Mike Williams is not going to resign. You know, we're going to lose our, you know, you know, our, we already traded away for peanuts. Uh, uh, one of our future cornerbacks and Desmond King, you know, Casey Hayward and Chris Harris are going to walk, you know, and they're already at, on the age of 30 anyway. So it's not like they're getting any younger and, you know, just try and then, then trying to attract talent. I mean, because I'll be honest with you, if you had to, if you were a free agent going into the season and you looked at the roster in a, in a leadership, you know, the roster were like, yeah, that's intriguing roster. I love to play with them, but the leadership sucks. So why would you want to play with them? I mean, that's just the bottom line. Like, I don't want to, you know, keep constantly being disappointed week to week in and week out because we can't get over the hump when it comes to 
um, the leadership making calls and, and executing, you know, the right game plan. So, you know, that's the biggest problem, you know. So, you know, I mean, that's pretty much all I had for the, for the Patriots game. I mean, it was just a complete debacle. And, then, you know, it's, you know, if you don't, if you don't, if you play discipline, you, you have a shot in this game, you know. You know, we, that's just it. If you play discipline and don't give up those uh, special team, you know, miscues and um, you play more simple, you know, I guess you can say uh, uh, basic offense instead of trying to, you know, get it all in one play, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, because a lot of mistakes were made in a game where you're trying to get it all in one play when you couldn't because you were down and you're playing different. So that's the big problem. You know, that's a big problem. And overall, you know, it's it's just the last four games we have are just not, you know, I just pray that nobody gets hurt. You know, I don't want another Joe Burrow situation and just get hurt or anything like that. Anybody that we really need going forward, get hurt. And we just have to finish this out. And we're going to pick high in the draft. That's just it. And I think we need to really go after somebody that's going to help us um, on either side of the ball. I mean, honestly, truly, I think we could definitely use a good left tackle, you know, but if there's not somebody of the elk of, you know, what, we, what they had in the draft last year, we need a good corner. You know, and I think those are the biggest uh, issues. You know, resign Hunter Henry, you know, so we won't need any tight end um, help for the next, you know, foreseeable future. And then, you know, get yourself a nice left tackle and or get us a DB. You know, that's going to be um you know that's going to be uh able to get it come in you know fill that desmond king role and learn from casey and chris and you know be that you know veteran that we can depend on from here on out so but overall man i you know i'm gonna wrap it up you know i think that uh falcons game they're coming in so far again this weekend who knows what type of falcon team we're going to face i think we have a better experience on offense but you know because bill just you know just bottled us up completely on offense and it was very sad to look at but, you know, I I mean, in normal cases, I really feel like we could beat the Falcons, but I'm just – the fact that they've checked out on Anthony Lane, in my opinion, I don't, I don't I don't see us winning any more games because we got the Falcons, we got the Raiders left, we got the um, Chiefs and the Broncos. So, you know, three division games out of four, I mean, they're not – let's be real, the division is not going to, you know, give us any breaks. So I don't really see us winning any more games at this point. But regardless, you know, I just hope that we stay healthy. So that's pretty much it. Well, like I said, we'll get back at it next week. We'll t- we'll talk about more, you know, Chargers news next week, and hopefully, um, you know, we have a better report and better outcome. I mean, I would like to see us win one or two more games, if if anything, just for Justin's confidence. But outside of that, man, you know, we're gonna pick a high and draft, looking like you know, no later than fifth. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll start covering who we're gonna pick, you know, the next few weeks. But that's it, man. It's gonna wrap up Chargers corner. Stay tuned for Lakers locker room. It's locked on Davis podcast. Back for Lakers locker room. It's the Lockdown Davis podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh man, you know we broke camp. Uh, you know we're starting back. You know uh, the season's going to be going on uh, December 22nd. Uh, we open open the night uh, with the Clippers. Um, and I tell you, man, you know I mentioned this a little bit earlier with the league trolls, man. The league trolls. You know I, they really scheduled the Clippers. They really scheduled the Clippers for us on ring night, on banner night. Like 
that's 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 petty. <laughs> that's nothing, I mean, if nothing else is petty, man. It really is. Uh, I mean, how could I mean? There's no me. How many different ways can you slice it? It's petty. You know, I don't. I don't think that uh, the Clippers appreciate that too tough. But hey, it is what it is. I mean, you know. But uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm ready. You know, I I think that I'm a little concerned with uh, these rules, uh, the the schedule. You know, uh, just COVID traveling. You know, man. But I will give the NBA credit. You know, they definitely have been really restrictive. Um, and things that you can do and can't do um, once the season starts, you know, they, you know, and I don't know, you know, if the NFL had this type of detail in their plan. I didn't, I didn't get that vibe from the NFL reporters out there to get this league news in their binders. But overall, I think that it's definitely a, a good plan in theory. You know, they don't allow you to go out of public places and, you know, you can't go to public gyms and nightclubs and things like that. Of course, James Harden didn't listen. But uh, you know, it's like they, it's like soon they dropped the report. He was like, "Yeah, I'm going to the club." <laughs> it says we can't go to the club. I'm going to the club anyway. Who cares? I'm not even in camp. Yes, I'm not going. I'm going to the club. Oh well. <laughs> but regardless, I think that you know the, the theory of it. You know, I mean, they you know, even when you go on the road, they don't rest, they, you can't go into hotel gyms and you can't eat inside of restaurants. You got to eat outside if you're gonna do it. You know, and the game things of that nature. But you know, and I hate to say this though, you know, but it's just a fact. You know, it's all good in theory, but my problem is this, is that people have done all of those protocols and they've still gotten this thing, you know, and I pray to God that, you know, nobody, you know, ever has to experience that, myself included. But, you know, I, I it, it's it's rough being out in the public, period, you know, with this thing out here. And in different areas and different places you go to has different, you know, rates of these cases. Like, you know, California is really high right now and it's, we're in L.A., you know, they got a stay at home order for in most parts of, you know, California right now. So, you know, hell, the San Francisco 49ers can't even come back home to practice a play. They had to play in Arizona today, you know, so it's, it's great in theory. But, you know, and the, and the problem too I have is that you play multiple games a week. You know, it's not like it's one game a week and you can kind of recover from it. And you can almost take your whole team out with a case, you know, because you're all close, you're all contact close for long periods of time, especially in practice and things of that nature. So if somebody comes down with it, you know, you can literally take your whole team out. And, you know, but I will say this, and I do give NBA credit as well. You know, they said that they will find and they will, you know, they will allow forfeits of games and things of that nature because, you know, nobody wants to see a lopsided game, especially an NBA game, 48 minutes. You know, you know, you got, you know, your whole Start, you know, you get a whole starting five and you got you know, the whole bench playing one team. One team only got six players. Nobody wants to see that. So, I mean, you know, to have the option to, to forfeit or having the ability to forfeit or, or grant forfeits in certain cases was, is a good thing. I do like that. You know, but what's this going to mean, you know, overall for the Lakers in particular? You know, because it's, it's a little bit convoluted to me, you know, and I, I'm going to have to pay more attention, you know, as they, you know, get into the season and how exactly they're going to differentiate these things. Because on one hand, you seeing that um, certain players in certain, you know, uh, I guess you can say marquee players can't uh, quote unquote low manage on televised games, but they have a looser translation in, you know, non-televised games, quote unquote, you know, national televised games. We're not talking about local because everybody gets local coverage, but you know, you can't do that. But, 
you know, but you can, you know, you can, it's almost like it's a loophole there, or a guarantee loophole, as you can say, you can kind of designate men as being injured, quote unquote, and they cannot play. But they want to see either be visible or playing in these national televised games because they don't want to lose revenue and money. And if they, I mean, which is kind of wild to me too, because a lot of cities and in places that are not even allow fans in it. So if you don't have fans, you know what? You know, you on TV. Okay, I get the whole not on be on TV thing, but if you know the fans thing, you know it's not it's not that big of a deal because some people are not going to have fans at all, very limited amounts. You know, because I mean, you're not going to have a, uh, an arena full of people regardless at any point. You know, so I'm not sure what that means. It's a little bit convoluted, but you know, if they allow, you know, they and they allow the the Lakers and the Heat especially to, you know, have more leeway with this, um, and rightfully so because they finished the last um, in the last season. You know, they were they played the longest in the bubble, and um, you know they were they were um, you know and rightfully so granted the opportunity to to you know rest their players more often and and low manage a little bit better. You know, it's funny because they're calling this a rule of Kawhi Leonard rule, <laughs> but you know, it, it is, it's again, they league trolls, but regardless, I think that it will, um, you know, it will benefit us as far as, um, you know, managing our time and trying to be on the court is, is that, and when we need to, and we absolutely probably need to, and, and winning games we need to early on. And then we can kind of, you know, get going, you know, towards the middle half and the back half and start to play in jail well and go into the playoffs and try to defend this title. You know, so, um, you know, so in, in basic news, you know, LeBron and AD both signed their, their long-term extensions, which is which is a boss move by LeBron, as we'll point this out, because LeBron made it so he had an extension that will keep him in a Laker uniform until his son, Bronny, becomes uh, eligible for the NBA. You know, and how how big of a marketing tool is that for his son to say that no matter if he's a free agent, he can sign whoever he wants to at this time. So whoever dressed Bronny, when it was this to draft Bronny, you get LeBron James too. Like that's masterful. That's a mastermind move. I just give LeBron credit for that. I, I discovered that today. So yeah, that's a masterful move, man. <laughs> I, I, I give LeBron all credit for that, for, for marketing his son the best way possible. And like I said, AD is going to be a Laker long-term. So all the young guys that's with him and who we get in the future will definitely, you know, add to that, you know, winning lure once LeBron is done. But these next four years, I mean, amid, you know, barring an injury, praying to have no injuries, looking really, looking really bright. You know, Quinn Cook came back this week on a, on a, on a uh, minimum deal. So he's, you know, good, um, you know, been spark plug for, you know, that we can use in reserve cases. So I like it, man. I definitely like it, man. I definitely think that we're going to do well. I think um, Montrez and Dennis, you know, have spoke publicly already in regards to how they feel about the team and how they like it. And Montrez already starting in, in Dennis are starting to gel already um, as far as them being, you know, good off the bench pick and roll um, uh, entity. So that's great. You know, because that off the bench scoring is going to be key. You know, when LeBron and AD leave the floor in cases, you know, we got to keep that scoring up against a good team. So that's definitely a good look. But overall, man, I like what we're doing, man. You know, so we're going to play some preseason games. I'm not sure who's going to play and then what. But I think overall, you know, it's, it's going to be looking good. I'm going to be paying attention to exactly what is going to happen with this roster. But I really like our position, man. I'm just praying that we stay healthy and out of COVID. But that's going to wrap up Lakers Locker Room, man. Stay tuned for the fourth quarter closeouts to Lockdown Navy's podcast.
And we are back with a full quarter closeout. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I am your host, Coach Defense. As a reminder, as always, we go live with our podcast each and every Tuesday, 10 o'clock. Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Uh, we also go live with our new segment, Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt, every Saturday on twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Davis Sports, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock live. Replays are broadcast on YouTube on Mondays at 11 a.m. We also have our weekly recap segments on Fridays at uh, 11 a.m. on YouTube. And we also have our weekly pick segment uh, on Sundays at 11 a.m. So check those out on YouTube as well. Check us out on Twitch. Check us out on Spotify if you're in the car, at the gym, or whatever you're doing. Appreciate your support. So let's talk about these awards this week, man. We had a very interesting week in the NFL this week. Uh, we definitely got a lot of stats that have been stuck this week, i tell you that. So let's talk about these awards, man. Let's talk about these awards. Let's see who gets the nod for Breakout Players of the Week and Locker Players of the Week. All right, so we got Breakout Players of the Week, and this happened late, 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 late before the podcast comes up on Monday night. Josh Allen was out here dealing this weekend, boys, ladies, germs, and gentlemen. He was out here dealing. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, to say the least, he was out here dealing. 375 yards passing, four touchdowns, zero picks, 75.2 QBR. Straight dealing. And was consistent over the whole entire game. Now, that's a, you know, I hate to slight him because he definitely had a good stat line. But my problem with our next contestant or next award winner, I should say, is Baker Mayfield. He had 334 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, 87.7 QBR. But. This is all done in the first half. They scored three points in the first, the first half. They scored all of these points. You know, I believe they had like 21 or 28 in the, in the second quarter alone, but only scored three points in the second half. So that's a knock. This you got to keep keep it up. You could have literally threw 300 yards. So why they take why they take the hand off the trigger? Why did they do it? I mean, they definitely pulled out the victory barely. They let the Titans come back on them. But, I mean, his numbers are, speak for themselves. I have to give him credit. 334, four touchdowns, 87.7 QBR. No no picks. Got to give him credit. He was out there dealing as well. But I've, I appreciated Josh Allen's performance a little slightly bit better because he was consistent throughout the whole game in throwing touchdowns and using his legs, uh, you know, sparingly. So, it was shots out to both of them. So, receiving-wise, Darren Walter, man. I mean, we, this is the first performance we've seen from a tight end that went over 200 yards in Shannon Sharp way back in the day with the Broncos. Uh, 13 receptions, 200 yards, and two touchdowns. I put rush on there, but two actual receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, shouts out to Darren Waller for that. Uh, lockdown defender of the week. Oh, man. Uh, I looked at these in all for a second. I had to, had to marvel. Joe Sherbert, and this is a little bit of a losing effort, but it, it, it's, these test lines are uncanny. You can't deny the guy this stat line. 12 total tackles, five solos, 1.5 sacks, 1.5 tackles for loss, two pass breakups, two quarterback hits, an interception, and a pick six in the interception. I mean, come on. That's that's filling the stat sheet to a whole nother level. Like I said, they lost the game, you know, you know, barely, but they lost the game. But that stat line is undeniable of being locked down to finish the week. Followed up by Calvin Noy in a winning effort. Calvin Noy had eight tackles, eight solos. Three sacks, five tackles for loss, a pass breakup, and three quarterback hits. Man, oh man, I tell you that they were balling out here, man. Shouts out to y'all for winning the awards this week. <laughs> now on the big dummy of the week, you know, and I, I, I wanted to give it to the Chargers because they, 
you know, they just, I mean, but I know the reason. And I talk about Uncharted Corner, as you see, and he heard already. But I'm going to have to give it to the New York football Jets. I'm just going to have to give it to y'all. Y'all, y'all, <laughs> y'all in this tanking, it just, it's just taking a whole new turn for me. Like, the idea that you call a zero blitz with no time left right there on the clock, with 4.2 40-yard dash receiver out there on a, on two slow rookie cornerbacks, call a zero blitz and lose the game on a uh, bomb. I'm not even call it Hail Mary. I'm calling it a bomb pass from Derek Carr. Smart enough to Max protect. Pick up your blitz, step up in the pocket, deliver the ball massively right in the breadbasket of Henry Ruggs for a touchdown, and you lose the game. Which, <laughs> in in ironic behavior, just you know, started that mass exodus of the coaching staff because Greg Williams got fired based upon that last call. You know, I go, I'm go back and forth with Greg Williams about, you know, you like his passion, you like his, you know, aggressiveness, and you like his, you know, he get he has. He has a good football mind in certain regards, but this wasn't one of those days. You call a zero blitz. I get the ideology of you want to pressure him and throw the ball quick so he can get the ball out so he doesn't sit there holding throw Harold Murray and they get a lucky tip or 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 mossing type situation where you catch it and win the game anyway. But you got a worse chance of losing by causing a zero blitz and leaving your slow corners one-on-one with fast receivers than you do with a Harold Murray. I'm sorry. Cause that would look, it looked like pitch and catch Madden stuff. It was it was horrible. It was horrible. So, Jets organization and your poor masking of your tanking ability and giving a game away yet again to another team that you should have beat. You get the big dummy of the week award. You big dummy. So that's gonna wrap it up, man. Uh, like I said, each and every uh, week we're back down here. Check us all our content. Now we got a lot of content flowing right now. Um, it is gonna do number pick up as the NBA season gets going. So we're gonna. Have it here for you, man. So appreciate your support. Like, comment, subscribe as always. Check us out. And uh, give us your feedback and your comments in, in, in the listings, man. So let us know how you feel about the podcast so far. As always, until next time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.